the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway nowadays. It's past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us on AM 1420. The answer, it's a Friday, the 25th morning of the sixth month in the year of our Lord 2021. Thanks again to Christina Hagan, who joined us last half hour. Looking ahead to Jack Windsor, who will join us after the bottom of this hour. But now, I want to bring Jim Simpson back to the program. <clears throat> As promised, we are going to learn a little bit more about Karl Marx, perhaps, than you ever knew, maybe more than you ever wanted to know, and about what kind of hell Marxism hath brought, not just to the United States today, but to really the rest of the world uh, since Marx's time. Jim Simpson is a best-selling author. His latest work is indeed uh, called, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, Who Was Karl Marx? <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying to... <clears throat> Work a cough drop here. Sorry about that. Who was Karl Marx, the men, the motives, and the menace behind today's rampaging American left? Jim Simpson, apologies for that introduction, but uh, I will uh, stop talking so that I can gather myself here and ask you uh, to tell us a little bit about why you call this your most important work to date. Hey, Bob. Thanks. Great to be with you. Um, well, you know, uh, we can see all around us what is happening in our nation today. And it's really not new. The radical left has been agitating for this for decades, but they've remained largely under the radar because while they penetrate and subvert the institutions of our society, they have uh, really uh, pretended to be there's something other than what they are. They pretend to uh, be compassionate, and want to help the poor and uh, the oppressed, when the fact of the matter is they are subverting our country to achieve 
absolute power and wealth for themselves uh, at the expense of everyone else. And that's truly what Marxism was really about. It was what Marx was all about, and these people consider Marx their secular god. But now, over the past four years, when Trump was uh, president, they fought tooth and nail because they realized the threat that he represented, just as in 2010, uh, the left realized the threat presented by the Tea Party movement. But Trump was even more dangerous because here he was at the top of the heap in the United States calling the shots. He threatened their uh, franchise. And so they attacked him mercilessly for the past four years. And when Biden won the election, I believe, (laughs) illegitimately, uh, that agenda just went crazy. But these people realize at the same time, they realize this is their chance to seize absolute power, and at the same time, they're terrified of losing it. So they have gone totally off the rails, and they've come out of the closet, and they have been our best salesmen for uh, what America represents versus what they would have us become. Okay. And Jim, um, so let, let, let me let me jump in there. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. me let me jump in there and talk about those two words, absolute power. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, before we get to that, because I want to talk about the end goal of what Marxism is, and I want to help define because this is something. And you are, if, for those who don't or may not recall, Jim Simpson, maybe you best know him for the Red Green Axis and the Red Green Axis 2.0 uh, uh, and uh, existential threat against America and the world. Um, the red green axis is the marriage, the alliance between, you know, communism red and, uh, radical Islam, which is green. Um, so Jim is an expert when it comes to communism, Marxism, socialism. I want to start with, since your book, uh, Jim is entitled, Who Was Karl Marx? with the little mini bio you do of him and Friedrich, uh, Engels, uh, at the beginning yeah. of this book, because it's important to know who they were and what their mindsets were, what their ideology yeah. was before they kind of came together and, and formed what would become the basis of modern day communism. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's really, uh, quite a contrast, actually, when you look at Marx the man versus Marxism, the ideology. The contrast couldn't be stronger. Marx was a absolutely bigoted, racist guy. He called blacks idiots and the N-word. He was in favor of slavery. Slavs were ethnic trash who only had the immediate task of perishing in the Revolutionary World Forum. Germans were stupid people. He called the proletariat, he supposedly championed, stupid boys, rogues, asses. He reviled Jews, even though he was ethnic Jewish himself. And he may have even developed his resentment against capitalism as a result of his inveterate gambling in the stock market, where he frequently lost. And he had even been a paid informant for the German government, spying on his revolutionary friends. He was a spoiled brat, rich son of a wealthy German attorney, and everything about him is can be summed up in that one sentence. And Friedrich Engels 
was the same way. He was a spoiled brat, rich son of a uh, wealthy uh, British uh, businessman. Mm-hmm. And then you discover, you look at uh, the Castro brothers, you look at Mao Zedong, you look at practically anybody at the top of the left-wing seat, and they were all spoiled brats, rich children, who couldn't be bothered to work, and instead came up with this horrifying agenda, which basically would deliver them all of the wealth and power that they had become used to without having to actually lift a finger. And that's what they're all about, and that's what this is all about. And uh, I go through the entire uh, history of Marx, the development of Marxism, and the people who brought it to the United States over time. They were all of a type, and they were just greedy for power. Jim, let's talk about that type. Um, you yeah. write that it turns out that Marx and Engels are personality types, and many prominent communists yeah. reveal similar characteristics. Most were and yeah. are children of wealth, uh, wealthy elitist classes, including Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and many others. While preaching socialism, yeah. their real goal yeah. was unbridled greed and power and wealth. Yeah. So while they while they yeah. preached while they preached sharing wealth with others, the reality is they were all greedy and all they wanted was everything they could accumulate. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You know, and Marx said, uh, uh, it's all the proletariat, uh, you know, you have nothing to lose but your shame. Uh, workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your shame. The fact of the matter was he was preaching, putting them back in shame, and basically making slaves out of the entire society so that they could live high on the hog. And, you know, it's hilarious. For example, Mao, you know, people think of him as coming from peasant stock. Well, that's true, but his father was the wealthiest farmer in their community, and his father went through all the problems that uh, parents have with spoiled sons. You know, he tried to get him to work here, tried to get him to work there, and none of it. None of it, he, he just rejected it all. He was thrown out of four schools. Uh, he refused to work. And so when his father threatened to cut off his allowance, he found a woman four years older than him and married her. And so his father was happy about that. So he, uh, you know, uh, gave him his allowance again. But then a year later, his wife died. He could care less. He was only happy when the Soviets came along and were recruiting people for their you know, a revolution in China, and on the long march where they fled from the nationalist uh, military, he was carried by porters and read at his leisure, completely safe and out of the way. And this is this is the way these people are. Jim Simpson is my guest. He is a best-selling author, and we are talking about Karl Marx. Jim. Um Today, there is a battle going on in this country um, to stop critical theory. Now, in, in our parlance right now, it's critical race theory, but critical theory yep. in and of itself is a, is, a, uh, is a part of Marxism. Can you define what critical theory is, apply it to critical race theory, and explain to people the danger of cultural Marxism being introduced into our schools 
into our workplaces yeah. by way of critical theory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Marx, before he even wrote the Communist Manifesto, he said that uh, the issues of the day are not our concern. And you have to stop and say, what? What do you mean? The issues of the, the, the Communist Manifesto is supposedly all about saving the oppressed of the earth from the issues of the day. But no, he said the issues of the day are not our concern. Our concern is a ruthless criticism of everything existing. And he meant a ruthless criticism of everything about the West. And so in 1923, uh, the... School for Social Research was created uh, in Frankfurt, Germany, and it became known uh, as the Frankfurt School. In 1933, the Frankfurt School communists, who uh, were mostly Jewish, fled. Many of them resettled in the United States and were taken to uh, Columbia Teachers College uh, by the good graces of... Um, uh, John Dewey, <laughs> the founder of public education. And so they began preaching critical theory. And critical theory simply criticizes everything existing about the West. It criticizes the family. It criticizes uh, uh, society. It criticizes uh, religion. criticizes uh <clears throat> every aspect of Western society and culture. And the purpose is to tear it down. The purpose is to discredit it. The purpose is to make us ashamed of who we are so that we lose our ability and willingness to fight those enemies that would take us over. And that was the entire goal. And out of critical theory, same critical race theory. It was developed by Derek Bell, who was a, uh, a member of the Harvard faculty. He was uh, Obama's favorite uh, instructor. And he, just like the Marxists of the Frankfurt School, uh, was, a, was a communist. And they were all preaching the same thing, just from different angles. And there are critical theories. There's a dozen different critical theories today. They're all based on the idea of destroying, tearing down our society. We are talking with Jim Simpson, a best-selling author of The Red Green Axis and The Red Green Axis 2.0, among others. He says this is his most important work. Who was Karl Marx? The men, the motives, and the menace behind today's rampaging American left. We'll continue with Jim right after this. Okay, 1026. Just four minutes left with Jim Simpson talking more about his latest book, which you need to get. Go to Amazon and search it up. I'm looking at it right now. Just type in Who Was Karl Marx by Jim Simpson. The full title is The Men, Motives, and the Menace Behind Today's Rampaging American Left. So, Jim, uh, you know, it's interesting. As I was reading through that book last night, um, I was reading about the the politics of hate and the policies of hate, and I was also looking at yeah. uh, strategic corruption and cultural terrorism. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, the the 
Biden administration from both Biden, well, not just not both, but from including Biden, uh, his attorney general, Merrick Garland, uh, his uh, Homeland Security director, his FBI directors, they have all told us that terrorism in this country is real and that the biggest threat of terrorism in this country is white supremacists, white males yeah. and white supremacists. Um, yeah. I'm looking and I'm, and I'm, and I'm trying and I'm struggling to find examples of, of terrorism committed by these white supremacist groups that they're talking yeah. about. I feel like this right. is the type of, of corruption and the corruption of, of information because the more we're staring at what they're telling us to stare at, the more we are not watching the actual Marxist critical theory become implemented in our culture. We're distracted by it. Well, that's exactly right. And and that is a big part of their goal. You know, uh, critical theory has come to be known as cultural Marxism. We also call it political correctness. And I quote uh, Theodore Dalrymple, very insightful observation on political correctness. He says it's a communist propaganda wit small. Uh, in studies of communists, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or convince nor to inform, but to humiliate, and therefore the less it corresponded to reality, the better. When people are forced to remain silent, when they're being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they're forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of poverty, to assent to obvious lies, to cooperate with evil, and in some small way become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. And that's what political correctness is, that's what critical theory is, that's what cultural Marxism is, and everything they're doing today is designed to provoke and misdirect us. We all know that that's an absurd lie. The United States is the most open, generous, uh, 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 unbigoted and unprejudiced society in the world, and I believe that has ever existed in the world, and yet we are being told these obvious lies, and the goal is to intimidate us, to silence us, to confuse us, and to throw us totally off the track while they continue to prosecute this war against America, and that's what it is. That's exactly what it is, because America and capitalism are the enemy of, you know, Marxism and critical theory that we're talking about. Um, yep. the, the, the thing I love the best about the book, Jim, and I'm going to ask you to do something unfair here, because I've only got a minute left, and I'm just going to ask you for a minute-long thumbnail summary of the way you close the book. Not with, look at all of this terrible stuff, look at all of the Marxism yep. being forced upon us, etc. You, you, you close with a way out, back from the brink, a comprehensive plan to save America. Again, just a thumbnail yep. version of that. Yeah, well, we do have the opportunity, as I said in the beginning, the left are our best salesmen. They are showing who they are, and in the process, horrifying everyone. And what we have to do is present viable alternatives, and the minute we do, people lunge at it. Look, for example, at what's happened in Florida, where we have a sane, competent Governor Ron DeSantis showing how a state should be run, and people are flooding there because they want to escape the insanity of places like New York, 
and California who are deliberately tearing those states to pieces. And there are so many ways that we can provide alternatives and people will vote with their feet. And as this becomes more of a reality to everybody as they see how our lives are being destroyed, they will frantically seek for other opportunities and we can provide those opportunities and they will vote with their feet and the left will die on the vine. There have been countless books written about communism and about Marxism and about socialism. Um, you don't need to read them all. This is a very, very concise compendium, about 150, 160 pages. Uh, you've got to read this book. It's on Amazon, as I mentioned. It's Who Was Karl Marx? Um, and I'll tell you what, uh, Jim Simpson, it's it's should be required reading, I think, for high school students to really learn. Thank you. Yeah, Ron DeSantis, yep. by the way. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, just two days ago, signed an executive order that says all students in Florida shall be taught about the evil and the dangers of communism, Marxism, and socialism. I don't know if you saw yep. that. That's extraordinarily I did, important. I love it. Yeah, and yep. this and this could be one of the textbooks. I encourage people to yep. pick this up at Amazon. Who was Karl Marx? The men, the motives, and the menace behind today's rampaging American left. Jim Simpson, thank you so much. I appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. You got it. Always a pleasure. Pick up that book. Educate yourself. Like I said, it's an easy read. It's 150 pages. You'll read it in a couple of hours. You'll be done. You'll have so much more uh, to add to these conversations when you do. Jack Windsor will join us after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1038. Now let's bring Jack Windsor back onto our program. We normally talk to Jack once a week as he is a, a state house reporter and consultant for us uh, here at WHK AM 1420, The Answer. And, um, well, uh, we had to bring Jack on a second time this week because um, Jack wasn't able to do his job at the, at the governor's latest press briefing. Jack wasn't able to do his job, not because of Jack, but because of the governor and because of the governor's team who did not let him do his job, which was to ask questions on behalf of the readers of the Ohio Star and the listeners of WHKAM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to let Jack Windsor tell that story in his own words. Jack, good morning. How are you? Hey, Bob. I'm super fantastic. Uh, it's good to be here again with you and the uh, AM 1420 family, and thanks for choosing me a second time and uh, given, given us the opportunity to go over this. Well, I wouldn't miss this. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I might have had to come to your house and uh, jam a microphone in your face if you wouldn't come on because I want you to tell this story. Jack, Yeah, Jack, we have a First Amendment that protects the freedom of the press, uh, and that means the press, not just the friendly press, not just the agreeable press, not just the people who go along uh, with whatever the narrative of the uh, subject of the press conference is, in this case, the governor of the state of Ohio. Um, the press gets to ask questions, including leading questions, including probing questions, including, dare I say, controversial questions, maybe disagreeable questions, and you were banned from doing that. I know you have had a hate-hate relationship with uh, Mike DeWine over the last 18 months or so, uh, ever since you started covering his uh, pandemic press conferences and asking the tough questions. But this is a new level now. Tell us what happened. So 
it, simply I was barred yesterday from asking a question mm-hmm. on behalf of this station's listeners and Ohioans who read the stories I write, whether they be in the Ohio Star or elsewhere. Um, how it went down, I submitted my question in the Zoom message area because the meeting was virtual, and that's what reporters do. We get there, we log in, and we indicate our desire to ask a question. So I did that. And as I waited to speak, I realized that the reporter who was in the queue after me was called on for a question. So they skipped over me and allowed the person after me to ask a question. Now, I called it out immediately and uh, said, hey, you skipped me. Then I was sent a direct message from Press Secretary Dan Tierney indicating that they were not going to allow me to ask a question and uh, that an email with an explanation would be sent. Mm -hmm. Now, a little while later, I hadn't received the email, so I sent an email to Tierney and said, hey, what's up? You know, can you explain why you skipped me today? And his response was this, quote, we have provided access to virtual press conferences, all of which have been streamed on the Ohio channel. However, we have and are continuing to decline comment to you. Look, they should provide access to the virtual conferences. I'm a credentialed member of the press. Declining comment after prohibiting a question on behalf of AM 1420 listeners and readers around the state is not only cowardly, it smacks of a constitutional infringement. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to say that for sure, but I can tell you, picking and choosing who from the press corps gets to ask a question isn't freedom of the press. It's putting certain reporters on ice, namely me, and cherry-picking questions that are comfortable. And, Bob, Ohioans deserve more. And the Constitution is supposed to afford us more. You are right on every count. Um, Jack, if they wanted to say no comment, they say no comment after the question is asked, not skip the question because they don't want to say no comment because they know no comment will mean that we don't have a response for you that your question is a valid one your question is a tough one your question is something we don't want to have to answer and if we let you ask it and then say no comment we look bad so rather than looking bad they no commented you before you were even able to make the question public so tell us jack what was so frightening to them what was the question that was so frightening to them that they banned, they skipped over you, let the next guy go, and then told you, well, we have no comment for you? Well, let me give you some background on this question. This question came about because of comments the governor and Dr. Vanderhoff made last Friday at a press conference that was designed to talk about student-athletes and vaccination. It was also designed after getting information from an Ohio mom who has a very healthy son. Um, who's in, he's in deep water right now. He's not in good shape. And so my question uh, for the governor and Dr. Vanderhoff would have been um, one of the of the mRNA technology, his name's Dr. Robert Malone, said Wednesday he's concerned that governments are not being transparent about the risks of the vaccines. He said that the risks probably outweigh the benefits in the cohort of younger Americans. Now, also on Wednesday, CDC doctors said that there's quote, likely a link between mRNA vaccines and myocarditis in teens and young adults. Though the group, CDC, says that the benefits outweigh the risks, they will continue to monitor and investigate. So my question would have been, is it time to reexamine the push and incentives for our middle school children and young adults to get vaccinated and maybe saving gaps for people who need them the most? That was the question. Um, 
it doesn't sound like it was loaded with vitriol or anger or misinformation. It sounded like a legitimate question. Based on these scientific statements made by these other doctors, what do you think about perhaps saving these jabs, you know, colloquial euphemism there, but saving these vaccines for people who really need them rather than putting them in the, into the arms of kids who, A, don't need them, and B, may be at a higher risk for a heart condition because of them. I, I don't understand why this would make them run and hide, bury the Constitution, bury the First Amendment, tell the press you can't ask a question. Not only will we not comment on it, we will silence it before we can even before we even have to. I, I, I'm, I'm failing to see it, Jack. So I can't see why they wouldn't answer it or let you ask it. You can't. So the question is, is maybe a judge is going to have to figure that out. Tell me that you are going to pursue some legal recourse here to to have your press credentials respected and to have your questions answered. You know, Bob, that's a, a, a great, you know, it, it question or enticement for me to say that. Let me let me put it this way. Um, if something were to be done, it would be done in a federal court, and we certainly would, would claim that um, my rights as a member of the press have been violated. Um, I, I'm not at liberty to say right now, if that's going to happen. But, you know, I did listen to your exceptional interview of the 45th president of the United States yesterday. And one of the things that he said to you when you asked about whether he would run for president uh, in, in 24, he said, I think you'll be happy. So I'll, I'll go ahead and echo um, President Donald J. Trump and say, Bob, I think you'll be happy with the outcome of this. That's well done. <laughs> Very well played. Uh, Jack, I want you to hear and I want everyone else to hear my response to this, once I found out that what was done to you, again, this matters to me because you work as a contractor for us now. Uh, and I said, uh, I sent this to Dan Tierney. For those who don't know, Dan Tierney is the communications uh, director or relation, community relations director or public relations, whatever you want to call him, press secretary, I don't know, for Governor Mike DeWine. And he's the one who sent you that note, right? That said, uh, here's the explanation. We have no comment for you, right? That's, that's who sent correct. that. Correct. That is correct. Okay. So correct. I, I sent him a letter that didn't go through last night, an email. Uh, I resent it uh, a short while ago today that said this. Hi, Dan. I'm wondering if you would kindly explain why Jack Windsor was passed over when it was time for media questions for the governor today. Jack is now a contracted reporter for us with us at WHK, and as such, we expect and demand that he be treated with the same respect as other reporters and be allowed to ask questions of the governor or other state officials speaking to the press. I'm certain you don't want it to appear as though the governor only accepts policy-friendly questions while ignoring those that may challenge his agenda. I'm also certain that you know that the First Amendment to the Constitution calls for freedom of the press and not just freedom of the agreeable press. I look forward to your reply. So far, I haven't gotten it, but again, I only sent it a short while ago once I realized that last night's email was bounced back. I will let you know what it says in the meantime, or uh, when, it, when I get the answer. Uh, but in the meantime, Jack, um, you know, when's the next press conference, and are you going to try and get back in? 100%. I'll, I'll try and get back in. This isn't about me. This is about Ohioans who um, want to be able to go about their lives living and pursuing the American dream, and, and, and then they invest their time and energy and money in guys like you and me, Bob, to go forward to ask the hard questions, to do, to do the investigating and the reporting that they need in order to make sound decisions about their lives. So, yes, I'll absolutely attempt uh, to ask a question again. The next press conference should be 
uh, next week. My guess is it will be on a now. Now that the vaccine lottery is over, um, usually it's a Thursday, the, the morning after, and then they talk to the winners. So I'll have to really keep a close pulse on what that's going to look like next week. I have also sent Dan Tierney an email, and I, I simply said your email didn't explain anything. What I want to know is why am I not allowed to ask questions at a news conference? Uh, whatever he responds, I'll be sure to share with you. Uh, but I'll be I'll be like a hound dog on this. I've got a scent on the trail, and whenever the next presser is, uh, I will sign up and I'll attempt to ask a question, and we'll see how it goes. Well, we are counting on it. For those who don't know, again, you are credential now because they tried to deny your credentials under the Ohio Star for whatever reason. Uh, you are now credentialed under, under Salem Media and WHKA and 1420 The Answer. So we uh, we will also stay on this and demand that our guy be given access to uh, the governor as well as any other reporter is. Uh, real quick, Jack, since we're on the subject and we're talking about vaccines, um, the million-dollar giveaway, the scholarship giveaways, uh, apparently not enough because there are still too many people that haven't taken the vaccine that the state is demanding that everyone take. And now they're going to entice with free cars. Uh, what's your take on this? You know, that this is a, a rumor, so to speak, for right now. But I got it on a good account um, from someone that I talk with on the airwaves as well in the state of Ohio. He received a text message from a General Assembly, Ohio General Assembly lawmaker yesterday who said DeWine's next move is that he's going to give away cars to incent the vaccine. Um, look, there are two two issues with me, Bob. Um, one, well, actually, let me say three things. I think the vaccines uh, have, have probably saved lives. And, uh, you know, there's a doctor a lot smarter than me who said the notion that everyone must get a vaccine is is about as illogical as anti-vaxxers saying that no one should. So to me, the, the optics on this look like we're pushing for everybody to get a vaccine. We're incenting and inducing everybody to do so. And I think the language probably needs to be more like yesterday was the first time I've heard Governor DeWine say, look, you really need to talk to your physician and you really need to make this, this decision individually that's what needs to happen. The optics on it just don't look good. I mean, after the vaccinillion, less than 50% of Ohioans, according to a national report, have taken the vaccine. I want to say the number it was more like 43%. Um, you know, we all understand inherently the law of relationships. Uh, if you're promoting something so hard, people just inherently go, wait a minute, what's going on here? And so the optics on this, I think, are as bad as the optics on Vaximilian. I think they're as bad as the optics on not answering questions about why we're not also reporting on injuries and, and or deaths caused by the vaccine. People are really smart. Give them the information. Don't try to hoodwink them. And they'll do the right thing for themselves and their families. But what I think is happening now, you're going to see a lot of parents and younger folks come forward and start telling stories about their concerns with these vaccines. And it's going to kind of culminate at the same time that he's now going to hand out cars. And I think people are tired of the rhetoric. I think that they want the promises that they were given in the beginning of this pandemic, which is we're going to be transparent and we're going to give you all the information. A lot of people are still waiting on that. Jack Windsor, our reporter and uh, uh, State House reporter for the Ohio Star, um, he has been banned. He's been uh, his speech has been suppressed. His press has been suppressed. He has freedom of the press, and it's being denied 
by the DeWine administration and the DeWine office and by the governor himself. Uh, Jack, stay on it. We will stay on it as well. Uh, get back to us and let us know where that stands. And uh, I'm very, very hopeful that you meant what you said when you said we'll be very happy at the end of all of this as it pertains to what your recourses are, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for all you do, Bob. We'll talk thank, again soon. Thank you, Jack Windsor. All right. 1052, our final segment is coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, the uh, one element that I didn't get a chance to get into with Jack Windsor was what I talked to Christina Hagen about in hour number one today. Just so disgusted, simply disgusted, with Ohio's Senate Republicans. Ohio House Republicans did a phenomenal job of attaching an amendment to Senate Bill 111. Senate Bill 111 is about COVID relief funds. It awards $422 million in federal funds to the smaller local governments, counties, townships, etc. The House Republicans, seeing this as their way in, attached to it an amendment that said vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines, that are not approved by the FDA cannot be mandated for anybody. There can be no mandate of a vaccine that is not FDA approved. And that means for students, for employees, for customers, for travelers, for whomever. Can't do it. Students, that's a great bill. Because the COVID-19 vaccine is not FDA approved. It was granted emergency use authority. It is not FDA approved. So that kind of takes everybody off the hook. It gives you the freedom to make your own choice is all it does. It's being presented as an anti-vax uh, amendment. It's not. It just, it's a vax choice amendment. It's a health freedom uh, uh, choice amendment. And then so the House votes 60 to 34 to put that in and pass it through. It's a great number. It goes to the Senate. And what do they do last night? They strip it. They stripped it out. They don't want it. They want mandates. Our House, I mean, our Senate Republicans, rather, apparently are Democrats, apparently are progressives who think that people should not be allowed to make their own medical decisions and that the government or their employer should. Simply disgusting. And people should know that that's going on in Columbus. This is why it's so hard to be a Republican in Ohio, because the Republican Party in Ohio is trash. Trash. You understand that? The Republican Party doesn't listen to the people, doesn't use its power. We continue to vote red, red, red. we got control of the House, control of the Senate, control of the governor's office, and they all legislate and govern like liberal Democrats. When is the Republican Party in this state going to rise up and actually start governing like conservative Republicans? Start governing by the Constitution and the laws. When are they going to start doing that? Seems like at every turn, every time we get a break and somebody does something good, somebody else in the same party trashes it. It's very frustrating. 
That's going to do it for today. Thanks again to everybody who helped uh, along this week. Thanks to the President of the United States, the former President, the 45th President, who came on yesterday. I will be there tomorrow in Wellington. If you are there as well, make sure you stop by and say hello if you can find me. Uh, if you don't have your tickets yet, you can still get them. It's first come, first in at the President's Rally. And I'll tell you all about our experiences on Monday. Until then, have a safe weekend. Bye-bye.